Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. I wanted to tonight bring in um, a discussion about the Brahma Viharas or the divine abodes of the heart. And I'm actually going to prepare to talk with some music in it. Um, but I'd like to start with a, a chant of the Brahma Viharas. So the, the Brahma Viharas, and I'll go into much more detail about this, um, imagining many of you know, but just to reiterate, if you do, are the heart teachings of the Buddha, and they are loving kindness, compassion, joy, and equanimity. And um, in Pali, that's metta, karuna, mudita, and upekka. So the chant that we're going to do right now uses those Pali words, and the music was written by Betsy Rose. So um, I'll sing, and, and please, please sing with me if you feel at all inclined. Also, find it, just listen if you prefer, of course. Um, and as we sing or listen, we can really, just really be bringing these energies in, just really lean into um, how they feel, how they feel in our systems, loving kindness, compassion, joy, and equanimity, metta, karuna, mudita, upekka. Metta, karuna, mudita, upekka. Metta, karuna, mudita, upekka. Metta, karuna, mudita, Upeka Meta Meta Karuna Mudita Upeka Meta Karuna Mudita Upeka All right, the divine abodes. Okay, so I wanted to start by talking about why we need these so badly, although we know events in the world can be troubling or excruciating and stress in our own lives or jobs or households can be overwhelming or exhausting. And certain habits of our own minds can also be challenging. And a certain amount of pain in life is inevitable. And the Buddha taught that the key to well-being isn't in eradicating all pain. When he talks about ending suffering, he's not talking about eradicating all pain. But really, the key to ending suffering is how we respond to pain. So neuroscience educator Sarah Payton talks about many of the ways we commonly respond to pain in our lives that actually makes the pain worse. And these include trying to control the self or others or the environment, self-criticism, 
self-hate, addictions, compulsions, violence, abuse, neglect, denial, and the list goes on. And we're all familiar with these. We see them in the world and we experience them sometimes in our own lives and our families. There's another way. And this is the way of love and awareness, which can become a powerful refuge, a place where we spend so much time that it can ultimately, this, this refuge of love and awareness can become like a dwelling place or abode. In the Buddhist time, the leader of the heavenly realm was known as Brahma. Brahma was said to have four faces, four faces of love. And these four faces were loving kindness, compassion, appreciative joy, and equanimity. And the primary Buddhist heart teachings are called the Brahma Viharas, which means Brahma, you know, like the God, divine. Brahma, mean, Brahma translates loosely as divine, and Vihara means abode or abiding or dwelling place. So we can call these four energies divine abidings. One who cultivates these four aspects of love is said to be like Brahma, content and free from confusion and reactivity and stress. Buddhist scholar Nyanaponika Thera describes the Brahma Viharas this way, quote, these four attitudes are said to be excellent or sublime because their ideal way of conduct toward living beings. They provide, in fact, the answer to all situations arising from social contact. They're the great removers of tension, the great peacemakers in social conflict, and the great healers of wounds suffered in the struggle of existence. They level social barriers, build harmonious communities, awaken slumbering magnanimity long forgotten, revive joy and hope long abandoned, and promote human connection and care against the forces of egotism. So these are considered and experienced to be very, very powerful energies, loving kindness, compassion, joy, and equanimity. Gil Fransdell says, in Buddhist practice, the four Brahma Viharas are associated with strength, to develop them well, we must become strong, even courageous. When developed, the Brahma Viharas become potent forces through which we protect ourselves and others. They're powerful aids for resolving conflict, promoting healing, and creating social harmony. As strengths, they contribute to confidence in all areas of life. Uh, so wonderful, this teaching that strength and power and courage and transformation comes through the beauty of love. I like thinking of the Brahma Viharas collectively as a tree. Imagine a large ancient tree in a forest. The roots spread wide and deep intermingling with the roots of many other trees. The trunk is thick and sturdy. 
the branches spread out and reach up toward the sun. The leaves are bright and plentiful. Imagine that when you sit under this tree, you feel a sense of peace. You can lean against the trunk and feel supported. When it's sunny, the light twinkles beautifully through the branches. When it's stormy, wet, and cold, the tree provides protection. Being under this tree gives a sense of confidence and ease. So this tree, the roots are loving kindness. The trunk is compassion. The branches and leaves are joy. And the earth that the tree grows in is equanimity. Loving kindness or metta is the energy of kindness an energy of befriending and well-wishing. The Pali word metta comes from the word friend. It's the root of a tree because it's so foundational for well-being and for the other Brahma-viharas. Through cultivating metta, we learn the art of standing near to all the events and people in our lives, including ourselves, with boundless friendliness. It's spoken about consistently throughout the Buddhist teachings as an essential attribute for us to cultivate in our thoughts, in how we speak, and in our actions. It's foundational for experiencing peace and for offering peace to others. To get a feel for this energy, let's do the Pali Metta chant. The words are Sabe Sata Suki Hontu, and they mean May all beings be happy. This chant is many hundreds of years old. In fact, it originated with the Buddha himself. Imagine you're underneath this tree of refuge and emanating up from the roots beneath you is coming this deep wish for your well-being. Allow yourself to be held in this energy. Sabe Sata Suki Hontu 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 Sabe Sata Suki
Metta alone is not the entirety of our tree. It's essential and foundational, and so it's the roots. But when kindness, this energy of befriending, of, of presence and care, meets pain, stress, or suffering, it becomes compassion. A Burmese monk once said, when the sunshine of metta meets the rain of suffering, it becomes the rainbow of compassion. It's still this energy of presence and kindness, but now it's responding to pain at any level, from the lowest degrees of stress or discomfort to the worst experiences of suffering. We can liken pain to what's often called the storms of life. Compassion knows how to be present and responsive in the midst of storms. It includes patience, care, strength, and tolerance. Compassion is like the trunk of our tree. We can lean on it. It stabilizes and offers comfort and protection. So again, imagine you're under the tree, leaning against the wide, sturdy, comfortable trunk. The trunk of the tree holds you with a recognition of your pain and stress, a reminder that you're not alone, and deep protective care. This song, Sending You Light by Melanie Damore, conveys this energy of compassion. Allow it to hold you. I am sending you light to heal you, to hold you. I am sending you light to hold you in love. I am sending you light to heal you, to hold you. I am sending you light to hold you in love. I am sending you light to heal you, to hold you. I am sending you light to hold you in love. I am
So the roots of our tree are represented by loving kindness, this energy of befriending, of care, and the trunk is compassion. And then we move on as the tree reaches up and out to the branches. When the energy of loving kindness meets the beautiful, moving, and happy moments of life, it becomes appreciative joy. Again, attention and kindness are still present, but now the energy of metta is noticing and meeting the pleasant weather of life. And I wanted to point out specifically that noticing is part of joy. Often we're so bound down by our to-do lists that we don't look up, we don't look out. With mindfulness practice, we can begin to see in a day, even a very burdened and difficult day, we can begin to see small things that can support our joy in the same way when we look up when we're sitting under a tree, we see the branches. The branches expand and blossom. Here there's laughter, gratitude, awe, and pleasure. We're nourished by observing and celebrating the blessings of others and by noticing and appreciating our own blessings. And nourished is the word. Buddhist teacher Christina Feldman teaches that joy is the attitude, ad, antidote to empathy fatigue. Joy replenishes us, brings the sunlight into the tree. So appreciative joy or mudita is like the branches of the tree. So once again, imagine you're sitting under this tree, the root beneath sending wishes of well-being, the trunk supporting your back and holding you in compassion. And we look up, see the beautiful branches and leaves, bringing a sense of appreciation and wonder. And lo and behold, beautiful birds are singing in the branches. This chant is based on an ancient Chinese teaching. If I keep a green bow in my heart, if I keep a green bow in my heart, a singing bird will come, will come, a singing bird will come, will come. Can join me. If I keep a green bow in my heart, if I keep a green bow in my heart, a singing bird will come, will come, a singing bird will come, will come. If I keep a green bow in my heart, if I keep a green bow in my heart, a singing bird will come, will come, a singing bird will come, will come. One more time. If I keep a green bow in my heart, 
If I keep a green bow in my heart, a singing bird will come, will come. A singing bird will come, will come. And the teaching of this chant po points to something which is that these energies flow both ways. We can notice them and tune into them, but we can also cultivate them. And I'll say more about that in a moment. But we've spoken about metta and karuna and mudita, loving kindness, compassion, and joy. But what keeps this whole tree alive and well, strong, able to survive, able to stay rooted and provide refuge to ourselves and others. Our tree is grounded in the wisdom of the earth. The earth accepts that weather and all other conditions keep changing. No expectation that it will always be sunny or it will always be storming. The earth holds the knowledge that all of life is subject to change, unpredictability, and interbeing. This is the wisdom of equanimity or upekka. Equanimity provides the spaciousness and groundedness that comes from a deep knowing that things keep changing. Equanimity is also imbued with presence and kindness. Like the earth, it dwells here in the present moment and it sees constant change. It isn't fooled by or reactive to all the stories our minds are telling. It's just looking at the present moment, seeing the change and responding to whatever's happening with stability and kindness. When the moment changes again, equanimity lets go and responds to the new unfolding moment, much in the way the earth does as it holds and grounds trees. So one more time, you're underneath the tree. You feel the wishes for well-being beneath you, the steady support of compassion behind your back, and hear the birds of joy in the branches above. And you're also held by the wise old earth herself, ever-changing, at peace with the endless cycle of loss and creation. This is another ancient chant from Buddhism called the impermanence chant. And tonight we'll just do it in English. All things are impermanent. They arise and they pass away to be in harmony with this truth brings peace. All things are impermanent. They arise and they pass away to be in harmony with this truth brings peace. All things are impermanent, they arise and they pass away 
to be in harmony with this truth brings peace all things are impermanent they arise and they pass away to be in harmony with this truth brings peace and i just want to make a side note about that version of the of this impermanence chant for those of you who are familiar with it generally the translation when we when we chant it is um, a little bit different. It says, all things are impermanent, they arise and they pass away. To be in harmony with this truth brings great happiness. And so I was recording this chant and I preferred to say peace because it 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 just resonated more for me personally. And, and I thought it was okay, but I wasn't sure. So I called Gil Fronstahl. Some of you know, he's a, he's a Buddhist teacher, but he's also a Buddhist scholar. And I said, Gil, is it okay if, if we say great peace rather than great happiness? And he said, yes, it certainly is because in Buddhism, peace is considered to be the highest happiness. So it's not in conflict with the translation. So I felt like it's okay to sing it and teach it that way. So the Brahmavihara tree rooted in metta expresses through the trunk and the branches, both compassion and joy and grounded in equanimity. Balanced by equanimity, loving kindness, compassion and joy deepen our connection with others, ourselves and the world. The Buddha said, whether standing, sitting, walking or lying down, we abide in kindness, compassion, joy and equanimity there is no more noble way to live in this world. The four Brahmaviharas can and usually do occur naturally throughout the course of a human life. But one of the wonderful things about them is they can be cultivated and practiced and become a very significantly increased part of our daily experience. The Buddha said, I only teach one thing, suffering and the end of suffering. The Brahmaviharas are a significant way to practice the diminishing of suffering. We can't change the impermanence, unpredictability, and challenge that we each inevitably face during the course of life. But we have the power to create a radical transformation in how we respond to life's challenges. With strongly heightened capacity for awareness, friendliness, compassion, joy, and balance, we have a way of moving through life that is so much more manageable than coming from a reactive place where we're lost in the natural negativity bias of the thinking mind. How do we create the conditions to grow the Brahmavihara tree? Well, there's this wonderful Buddhist teacher I know. Some of you might know him. His name is James Barras. And this is what he says. The Buddha likened the needs of someone in the process of change to those of a newly planted sapling. In order to establish itself, a young tree first needs proper placement with enough sun to be nourished, yet enough shade to keep it from being overexposed. 
it needs the right amount of watering and it needs a fence around it to protect it from hungry animals eyeing the luscious green shoots. In short, it needs tender loving care so that the roots can take hold and it can develop into a healthy vital tree that can offer shade and protection. Once the seed of your intention takes root and grows, it will bloom and provide refuge and support for everyone you meet. So we need to tend to our sapling Brahmavihara tree. And how do we do this? Well, we can cultivate it through reflecting on the Brahmaviharas, thinking about them, using them as a guide or compass for our conduct. But that might not be enough. So the Buddha taught what are called the Brahmavihara Bhavana, the Brahmavihara, the intentional Brahmavihara practices. All four of these have very intentional contemplative practices that we can take upon ourselves to do in order to deepen this in these energies and grow our tree. And they all, they're all formal practices that you can find in teachings and in sanghas and find ways to support yourself around. James and I both teach and support these practices and many other teachers do as well. Just for the moment though, we can do a little practice together right now. So starting off, just checking in with what's there for you and your experience right now. And if it's helpful, you can allow your eyes to fully or partially close. Notice that you have a body and feeling in to what the moment is for you. How are you feeling? How is your body, your heart, your mind? Noticing what's there and allowing yourself to be as you are. When you feel connected, beginning to reflect a little on your own experience of the Brahma Viharas, bringing each one to mind, just connecting with your own experience and understanding, making a connection to each one. Loving kindness. Compassion. Joy. Equanimity. What effect have they had on you? the individual qualities of loving kindness, compassion, joy, equanimity. What is your way forward? 
What will help you dwell in these more constantly? Perhaps connecting with your intention. In the midst of all experiences, we plant the intention for kindness, compassion, joy, and equanimity. In Buddhism, there's a teaching that the entire path of awakening rests on the head of the pin of intention. May our intentions support continued practice. Meta karuna mudita upeka 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 Thank you so much for your attention. Um, we have some time, so I'm wondering as you settle in after the talk, if you have any, um, any reflections on the Brahma Viharas, any questions or noticings about, about them in your own life. Laura. Oh, Serena. Uh, Serena, yes, this is me. Hi. I'm from New Jersey. I'm from New Jersey. Are you in New Jersey right now? I'm in New Jersey all the time. Wow, you're up late. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is my Thursday night gift to myself. Hmm. So, um, I'm finding that um, more and more, year after year, that um, self-compassion 
is a major learning for me. Mm -hmm. And um, you would think that after so many years, you know, I would have learned it, but it seems to be a daily, it seems like it's just about getting a daily reprieve. Uh, so um, one of the things I did today was I did not watch the presidential debate on purpose. Mm -hmm. I only, uh, you know, heard little tidbits here and there because I realized that I was not in a good emotional place mm -hmm. and that um, watching it would have really kind of thrown me off, thrown me off uh, kilter even more. Yeah. So um, these, um, I think it's important to kind of realize that these qualities need to be directed not only toward other people, but toward ourselves. For sure. You know, and, and that's really the most important lesson for me about these qualities. And that it's not, it's not like a, a short deal. It's, it's, it's a lifetime uh, endeavor, you know, one day at a time. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you for, for articulating that. Um, two things, first of all, yeah, I think when you think practically about um, the debates, if you already know who you're voting for, and you also know that that watching that the, the, the conflict on TV in that way will be distressing, then it's a wise and self-compassionate action to not watch from my perspective. So that that's so that's a you know high five on that one from me, and um, and then yeah we we often need we're often the la we we're often conditioned to be the the last recipient of our care and kindness and we really need to be we need to cultivate that inner voice that is right there for us all the time because we are our own primary caretaker and if our own primary caretaker can speak in the voice of the brahma viharas then we're held like the tree is holding us in that Im imagery that i was offering and we need to be held because life is uh, unpredictable and challenging very often so um, yeah, cultivating the Brahma Viharas toward ourselves is a very wise thing to do. Thank you for saying that, Serena, and I'm really glad you're Thank here. You. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, um, Andrea. Hi. Hi. Um, nice to see you. I, I really appreciated your talk tonight. It was really lovely. Um, and Serena, just a plug for Eve's self-compassion class. It's wonderful. And I, that's where I met Eve and that's not why we're here, but um, I, I'm not totally sure my question. So I'm figuring that out as I'm, I'm gonna say it, but this idea of equanimity mm -hmm. and like these waves of emotions, like, and I kept thinking about the earth and I was very much moved by that imagery of the tree and, and, and thinking about what's currently happening in these waves of maybe like fear or worry. And then this idea of like equanimity and, and being held by the earth. And I'm, I'm kind of wondering if you can speak to it a little bit more because when one's experiencing these like 
such intense feelings. How do you stay, how do you, you know, this like idea of impermanence around it, like you can have this intellectualization of, of impermanence around it, but in those moments, how do you feel the feelings, right? That you're, you're supposed to feel the feelings and the feelings happen. And that doesn't feel equanimous at all. It doesn't yeah. feel calm at all. And so like these kind of like, I've been, I've been sitting with this, the like, I remember the like, woman you coat, like you invite all the feelings, but then you're also supposed to be like grounded in it. And like, how do you hold those two pieces? Of, yeah, of they can the see. Can be yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's a good question. Um, well, the first thing I would say is to, to do a quick discernment when, when we're in a strong, difficult emotions to kind of see whether we're, you know, whether we're in a, ma a manageable range or we're kind of up in, in a scale of one to 10, if we're up in like the seven, eight, nine, tens, then we need to take care of, we need to, to re-regulate our systems. And that's when we go for like the, the, the radical self-care stuff that we have available to us. So walking in nature, listening to music, um, you know, whatever helps you dancing, whatever helps you get back in your body, just, it's not a Buddhist. It's, I mean, it is Buddhist in that it's, it's about compassion. It's basically bringing in behavioral self-compassion at that point, if we're outside our window of tolerance with what's going on internally. If what's happening internally is manageable, then mindfulness itself, bringing awareness, naming the emotion, what is it exactly? you know, you know, what, what's happening here? You know, the teaching, you name it and you tame it. What is this emotion and where am I feeling it in my body and bringing a little softening or breathing around it? These are mindfulness techniques, but they also support equanimity because they're supporting some, a little bit of distance and a little bit of grounding. So, um, and then as far as understanding impermanence, I found that to be an incremental thing. I mean, we obviously get it intellectually right away, but in terms of really getting it in ourselves, again, mindfulness really helps. With a mindfulness practice, when we're feeling regulated and grounded, a mindfulness practice over and over and over brings us to the reality that things are constantly changing. And with enough really seeing it before our very eyes through mindfulness, when we're not kind of distracted by our thoughts and we see how quickly things change, eventually the mind really gets it. I think the reason that we have that impermanence chant and that monastics chant it, you know, multiple times a day in some, in some places is to help the mind get it. Our minds resist how the, 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 the intense truth of impermanence, but you know, we continue to train and practice so that we can simply see what's true and then the mind lets go naturally. But again, that's a cumulative practice. So I don't know, I hope that was helpful. You know, I mean, in the moment, just just getting some holding for emotions often can mean, you know, self-compassion practices. Yeah. Yeah, thanks, Andrea, and thanks for being thanks. here. Um, Kayla.
I think you're still muted, Michaela. No, I just unmuted myself. Oh, thanks. You hear me good. Yeah. Oh, Eve, I just wanted to say to you that um, I live in Santa Fe, New Mexico. And I um, learned about you from Jennifer Barrison. I went to Biocitos and sang with her two summers in a row. I'm a singer, a songwriter. I'm not a songwriter. I'm a pianist. And I'm, anyway, I'm a musician. And I just fell in love with all your, I got your CDs. I've been teaching my sanga the chance. Oh, that's wonderful. Chance to say hi and thank you so much for your gifts and your your contribution and that you share the teaching with James there is just wonderful. I've been coming a couple of weeks for the Dwayne Elgin and now mm -hmm. this is a really nice, it's a little late for me too. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think the singing is just so important. I've, I've done a lot of Sufi chanting and a Kirtan with Sita Jameson mm -hmm. and, you know, a lot of different, different. Yeah, she's great. And um, I think that if we could get more uh, people singing, it would be good. <laughs> Yeah, thank you. Thank you so well, much. Well, fortunately for us all, that's something James has supported for a long time. Beautiful. Yeah, and I'm glad you're a musician too. And and yeah, m music is one of those things like mindfulness that that is really a game changer for people. And um, and all the science is bearing that out. So I think there'll be more and more music in circles like these. I've been singing during my self retreats or, or retreats at home, you know, when you've got your own schedule, I put singing on the schedule because, ah. uh, I, you know, in the monastery, you can't do that because you disturb people. Yeah. You're just singing yourself, but um, it's, it's just part of my practice. Oh, too. that's just wonderful. And I wish you all the best. Thank you. Thank you. Same to you. Thanks for coming tonight. <sighs> Any other thoughts or, or noticings? Yes, um, Wendy. Huh. Thank you so much, Eve. It was just such a beauty. It was like your, your, your talk was like this just beautiful tapestry. And you, I mean, it just included so much. It, I feel very full. Thank and you. I, and I do, I wanted to say also what I was noticed. I love the way, I mean, I, I, you know, heard your Dharma talks and your singing for, but somehow the way you wove in the singing, I just felt like what it just uh, somehow, whatever you had said before we, we, we did a song that it, the singing just, I felt it's just sinking into me more. Yay. What, you know, what I had heard, you know, into, you know, you know, somewhat intellectually, it was, it was just sinking more into my, my body and my, my spirit. So I, I, just really lovely. Oh, yeah. thank you so much for saying that. Thank you. I was hoping, I was hoping for something like that there, because we, we have these two hemispheres of the brain, you know, and the left hemisphere is the, is the talky, the talky guy. <laughs> And the right hemisphere is the metaphor and the music. And um, so I, it's really nice. Thank you for that feedback, because that's what I was hoping for to kind of bring the bring them to bring the two hemispheres together like that. Hmm. Yeah, that, that felt really good. And and I also just wanted to add something around uh, emotional intensity and okay. uh, just in my experience that I I. I find often, well, I find if I am up in the like nine, 10 range, yeah. that, um, that sometimes I, 
I just, I need to connect with people who, uh, someone who cares about me and loves me or a spiritual friend that, that sometimes it's like, I just, I can't do it myself. You know, uh, that's I'm, great. I'm too out there. Yeah. Thank you so much and for so saying I, that. That's right. That's really accompaniment mm. is, um, as a word for it. And it's what sanghas, sanghas can be, you know, and, um, but, but we need, we're a social, we're a social animal and we can really be re-regulated by a calm, kind, safe other. So, yeah, I really appreciate your saying that. Yeah, thanks. All right, we're coming to close to 9 p.m. Any last thoughts, questions, or noticings? Okay. Well, um, I like to sing the dedication of merit. Um, so, you know, usually the dedicating of the merit is, is, you know, just wishing that our good energy that we generate together be for the benefit of all beings everywhere. And that's beautiful like that. And actually this song is, is longer and less direct, but it's also beautiful. It's the Pure Land um, version of the dedication of merit translated into English by Reverend Hung Shir of the Berkeley Buddhist Monastery. May every living be our minds as one and radiant with light. Share the fruits of peace with hearts of goodness, luminous and bright. If people hear and see how hands and hearts can find in giving unity, may our minds awake to great compassion and to joy. May kindness find reward. May all who sorrow leave our grief and pain. May this boundless light meet the darkness of our sacred night. Because our hearts are one, this world of pain turns into paradise. May all become compassionate and wise. May all become compassionate and wise. Thank you, James.